and uh, verse number 24. For as the lightning that lighteneth out of the one part of heaven under heaven shineth unto the other part under heaven, so shall also the Son of Man be in his day. But first must be he suffer many things and be rejected of this generation. And as it was in the days of Noah, or Noe, it's the same as Noah in the Old Testament, as it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be also in the days of the Son of Man. For they shall eat, eat, they did eat, they drank, they married wives, they were given in marriage until the day that Noah entered into the ark, and the flood came and destroyed them all. Likewise also as it was in the days of Lot. They did eat, they drank, they bought, they sold, they planted, they builded. But the same day that Lot went out of Sodom, it rained fire and brimstone from heaven and destroyed them all. Even thus shall it be in the day when the Son of Man is revealed. In that day he which shall be upon the housetop and his stuff in the house, let him not come down to take it away. And he that is in the field, let him not likewise return, not return back. Remember Lot's wife. Whosoever shall seek to save his life shall lose it. And whosoever shall lose his life shall preserve it. I tell you that in that night there shall be two men in one bed, and one shall be taken, the other left. Two women shall be grinding together, one shall be taken, the other left. Two men shall be in the field, one shall be taken, the other left. They answered and said unto him, Where, Lord? And he said unto them, Wheresoever the body is there, thither will the eagles be gathered together. I just want to point out that he mentioned two people. Sometimes you'll hear prophecy <clears throat> teachers say that Enoch is a picture of the rapture and the coming of Christ. Well, here's what I can tell you for sure, and that is that Jesus said the two men you can look to in the Old Testament are Noah and Lot. Noah and Lot. Didn't say anything about Enoch, but Noah and Lot. And you can look at those two men and their examples as the last days when the Lord Jesus is going to return, when the world is coming to an end and, and uh, as we know it. And so with that in mind, I wanted to go back and look at some things, and we'll get there in a little bit. But I just want to talk to you tonight about the, the understanding of being ready and prepared and, and understanding uh, the end and and. and and uh, not going too deep tonight, but just understanding that, first of all, there are promises from God. And uh, I want to ask you, are you saved? Because if you're saved, you believe the promises. You might not even know all the promises. You might, might not even be aware of all of them. But if you have salvation, you're one of God's children. You're a child of promise. And First Thessalonians chapter 4 talks about uh, the coming of the Lord and says in First Thessalonians chapter 4, and chapter 5. We're going to look at both of those together. First Thessalonians chapter 4, first of all, and verse 13. But I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep, that ye sorrow not, even as others which have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them also which sleep in Jesus shall will God bring with him. And that, of course, is talking about those who have died. That's what they call sleep. For this we shall we say unto you by the word of the Lord, that he which we, we which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord shall not prevent them which are asleep. In other words, it won't be any faster. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. Chapter 5. But of the times and the seasons, brethren, ye have no need that I write unto you. For yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so cometh as a thief in the night. For when they shall say peace and safety, then sudden destruction shall cometh upon them as travail upon a woman with child, but they shall not escape. But 
Ye, brethren, are not in darkness, that that day should overtake you as a thief. When I was a young man, there was a movie series that came out called The Thief in the Night. The whole idea was is that no one could know when Jesus would come back. Now, we don't know the day or the hour. But it says right here that if you are a child of God, if you are children of light, then you are going to be at least be aware that it's going to be happening sometime soon. You won't know the day or the hour. But when it says, like, travail upon a woman with child, well, here's what I can say. If there is a woman with child, there is a certain time period that you can count on. All right? And so with a little bit of discernment, you realize that, okay, if she's been with child for four months, then the law of average is we got about five more months. Now, even then, no man knows the day or the hour, right? Uh, when it comes to, to uh, a woman giving birth, it's not necessarily an on-the-spot thing. And so we don't know. But the point is, is that he, when he comes as a thief, it's for the world that doesn't, isn't ready. It's for the world who is not, who has no clue, all right? Uh, it's for the people who are working and living for this life only, uh, whose labor will be in vain because they're not working for the Lord or, or watching for him. But ye, verse 4, brethren, are not in darkness that that day should overtake you as a thief. Ye are all the children of light and the children of the day. We are not of the night nor of the darkness. Therefore, let us not sleep as do others, but let us watch and be sober. For they that sleep, sleep in the night. They that be drunken are drunken in the night. But let us who are, who are of the day be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith and love and for an helmet the hope of salvation. For God hath not appointed us to wrath, but to obtain salvation by our Lord Jesus Christ. We need to understand the times that we live in. I do not know exactly how much time is left. No man knows the day or the hour. I can tell you this, though, that we're getting closer. Uh, just the other day, there was a pastor going through the airport, and he took a picture of something and posted it for others to see, and it was a palm scanner. You just put your palm over it, and it scans you. Um, we're getting close, because if you read Revelation, you know that there's going to be some kind of a mark, and uh, we know, of course, the the vaccination passport and, and all that, that that goes along with it and the, the, the more control, the more control. And we live in a day when there's more surveillance than there has ever been. It's interesting, we talk about the fear of the Lord and when man feared the Lord, it was because they realized that he was, had surveillance everywhere, right? I mean, God has cameras everywhere. But now we have big brother who has cameras everywhere, all right? Uh, I'd rather have God watching me than big brother. I don't know about you. But anyhow, that's where we're at. And so there's a lots of surveillance. There's a smart TV that watches you more than you watch it. There's a smart refrigerator that knows how much you eat and what kind of food you eat, how long it's been in there. And we're getting more and more surveillance. It's just, it's just the, is the way it is. Unless you're the Slagles and you still have eight-track cassette, uh, you're, you're just fine. And uh, they say, email, what is, what is that, Pastor? Don't worry about it. You're not missing a thing. Uh, but for the rest of us dummies with smartphones... <laughs> Uh, the thing is, is that we're moving toward, we're, we're going like a funnel. We're coming to this time. We don't know how much time there is, but it's, we're being set up. And the WEF, the World Economic Forum, is going to meet next week and, and help us out. Uh, can't wait. Uh, so that's what's happening. The globalists are here, and they're going to get their way, I believe, eventually, because that's what the Bible indicates. However, they'll only get their way for a little while. And that day will not overtake you if you're a children of light and you're paying attention. I'm not saying you'll know the day or the hour because Jesus said you won't know that. But that day will not overtake you completely unaware. You'll have some at least preparation. 
So, first of all, promises. Do you believe in the promises of God that he is coming? It says, wherefore, comfort one another with these words. I am not looking for the Antichrist. However, I do believe the Antichrist may very well come on the scene and be revealed before Christ returns. It says that in Thessalonians, that his day will not come until the Antichrist be revealed, until the son of perdition be revealed. So, And there's a great apostasy, a great falling away. There is quote-unquote Christianity that's not real Christianity. There's another Jesus and another gospel out there, and they're very popular. Listen, if Jesus is popular, that should be a red flag. Because the Jesus of the Bible was so popular, he got crucified. So children of light and children of the day need to recognize what Satan's up to and be aware of what's coming. I don't know what's coming, but I know what the Bible says what's coming. I live in a world where everything is more fruity than it ever has been. And so we need to understand the importance of the day or the hour. And we need to recognize the importance that God's people can be ready and look for promises that are sure. Let's go to Second Thess- or excuse me, the Second Peter chapter number two. Second Peter chapter two. Second Peter chapter two and verse four, talking about Noah. Verse four says, Where is the promise of his coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of the creation. For this they willingly are ignorant of. That by the word of God, the heavens were of old, and the earth standing out of the water and in the water, whereby the world that then was, being overflowed with water, perished. And that's how it happened in Noah's day. I used to work at Jewel Cave. And they'll tell you that the cave was created by water. But then they'll tell you that it happened billions and billions of years ago. Now, I agree it was created by water. I just disagree with how long ago it happened. I think I know exactly when it happened. It happened in Genesis chapter 6 to Genesis chapter 9 when God flooded the world. And there's so much flood evidence right here in the Black Hills. Uh, Woolly mammoths all buried together. You go into the Woolly Mammoth Visitor Center and here's what they'll tell you. One fell in, another one went in after him, and another one went in after him. Here's what I believe. I believe they all drowned in a flood called Noah's Flood. And that's how they all got buried together. And there's dinosaur fossils all around here. Someone was just telling me about the fossils up at, that were discovered up at Faith years ago, then folks in Hill City. Uh, I know friends over in Wyoming that have dinosaur f- findings on their ranch. A friend of mine who's now in heaven, Matt Fowler's grandfather, used to tell me that when he was a young man, he'd ride over the ridge on his ranch, his his ranch years ago when he was a young man and his horse would have to step between the rib cage of the dinosaurs. He said, Pastor, I had no idea people thought those things were, you know, millions of years old. There's no way they could be. Anyhow, we know what Satan has tried to do with creation and turn it into an evolutionary theory and all that sort of thing. And so that's what's going on today because they are walking after their own lusts they are willingly ignorant. They can look at this world and say, a big bang started it. You and I can look at it and say, God did it just like he said in six days and rested on the seventh day. You have to be dumb on purpose. That's what willingly ignorant is. 
And you say, Pastor, come on, these are scientists. These are brilliant. Listen, scientists gave us COVID, all right? Science, trust the science. Look, the Bible says there is science falsely so-called. And I live in a world where right now, out in California, I just saw this the other day. You probably knew about this a long time ago. I just read it the other day. In California, they are working right now, now that their state legislation has gotten together, they are working right now to make it legal, to make it binding that the state of California would fund and pay for the sex change of illegal immigrants. That's double insanity. That they would pay for anything of an illegal immigrant is double, that's, that's number one insanity. That you would fund an illegal immigrant for any reason. They're illegal. Ship them home. Make them walk. On top of that, to then pay for, you know what? And, and this is, these are real people that wear suit and ties and they're nuts. They're crazy. We live in crazy world. But you know, it's not the first time. And Jesus told us about two men who also lived in a crazy world. Back in Genesis, and I read, I read about both of these men this past week. If you're reading the Bible reading calendar like I am, and you might not, you might have a different schedule, but I, the one I'm using, I'm reading through Genesis. I'm in Genesis 20 now. And I've read Genesis 6 through 9 just the last the other day, and I read uh, Genesis 19 just today. And I read about Noah and Lot. And Jesus said, it'll be like Noah and Lot's day. That's what it's going to be like. In Noah's day, the world was so wicked and so corrupt. Men were living to be 960 years old. They were living a long time, but they were getting further and further away from God. And so when you live as long as they were living, they were inventors of evil things, and they were so smart and so, and so uh, cocky, I'm sure, that Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord, but no one else did. And we know that Noah's family was the only ones that were spared during that time. And God flooded the world. He was sick of the world and destroyed the world with a flood. He promised that he wouldn't do it again with water, and so he gave us a rainbow as a symbol of his promise. And so we see that. So we see that there there are these two men that give us a a little bit of an insight as to how things are going to be in, in the end days. I mentioned Sunday night about that video. In 1961, in Englewood, California, the police department, which is, that's a suburb of Los Angeles, the police department, along with the schools, put together a video called Boys Beware. And it was a 10-minute public service announcement warning people to warn their boys about the predators, the homosexual predators that were in their neighborhood, that were lurking and trying to allure young men. And I have it on, we have that on the church YouTube. I think it's still on there. It won't be on for very long, probably. But that was 1961. And now that video is considered hateful, probably. The police must have been insane back then. You know, back then it was Andy Griffith, you know, and Barney. Really evil world back then compared to how good it is now. No, the truth is we're going crazy. We're going nuts. But they were that way in Noah's day, and they were that day, way in Lot's day. But we who are saved, we have the promise of his coming. Now, it says here in verse number 4, and they say, where is the promise of his coming? Second Peter 3, verse 4. 
Now, verse 7, but the heavens and the earth, which are now, by the same word are kept in store, reserved unto fire against the day of judgment and perdition of ungodly men. Now, God said he wouldn't flood the world, but he never said he wouldn't destroy it again. He is going to destroy it this time with fire. But beloved, verse 8, be not ignorant of this one thing, that one day is with the Lord is a thousand years, and a thousand years is one day. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to usward. Not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. This is God's mercy, that he would slowly... Maybe I, I could say it this way, slowly turn up the heat to try to get us to pay attention and to realize that these days are coming. If there's one thing I could say positive about the scamdemic of 2020 is this, is it possibly, very possibly had gotten some people to look towards God. That's a good thing. And, and maybe the Lord will allow more of that so that people will look to the Lord for the answer. But here's what I can tell you, verse 10. But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, <clears throat> in the which the heavens shall pass away with a great noise, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. The earth also and the works that are therein shall be burned up. And finally, Al Gore will be right. Only will have nothing to do with what he's talking about. It'll be God that'll have done it. God's the creator. God will be the finisher. Here's a good question for you who are saved. If you're a believer, if you're one of God's children, here's a good question. Verse 11, seeing then that all these things shall be dissolved, what manner of persons ought ye to be in all holy conversation and godliness? That's a good question. <clears throat> it goes on because the question marks actually, actually doesn't stop till in the end of verse 12. It says, looking for and hasting unto the coming of the day of God, wherein the heavens being on fire shall be dissolved and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. What manner of persons ought you to be? Years ago, I was in a little plane flying over the Black Hills. Someone visited us, and we, we landed in Newcastle, and we flew over Custer, went up to Rapid City, landed there, got fuel, came back, and we were going over. And I'd never seen the Black Hills from, you know, in a little plane. And flying over, I was like, whoa, there's a swimming pool down there. That's a paved driveway. Wow, that's somebody's got a nice place. Wow. Wow, and, and I started seeing all these tucked away hidden places, you know, and, and people's little mansions. And uh, I thought, wow, that, that is nice. And uh, several years ago, I was over there uh, south of uh, Bozeman, I think it is, north of Yellowstone, and there's this Yellowstone Club. And uh, you can't even b live in this subdivision unless you are a millionaire. And uh, people have, you know, propane tanks uh, set out there and buried in the in the proper just to heat their pools, you know, during the during the season or whatever. Uh, I don't I don't have that kind of money, and I don't have that kind of place. And I I enjoy I my kids they know I love a house on the water. My grand my grandpa my great grandpa they had a place right on the water and it was my favorite place. I loved it. I love I love boating. I love the water. And so one of my kids sent me a picture of this guy sitting in a mud puddle with a little toy boat out front. That wasn't what I meant, but that's the kind of house they're probably going to get me. But anyhow, I, I would love that. But you know what I know? All those places I saw when I was looking down from the plane, and all those places I was just talking about, they're going to melt. And I'm not saying it's wrong to have one. But they're going to melt. And so being, being wise in investment, you have to say, all right, based on the time period that it could possibly be mine, how much should I invest versus lay up treasure in heaven and how much should I invest? 
We sang it tonight. This world is not my home. I'm just a passing through. My treasures are laid up somewhere beyond the blue. And that's how we should think. This world is not my final home. I'm just passing through. And that was something that Noah figured out. And God said it'll be like the days of Noah. And so Noah, and and I don't know if you know this, but Noah's dad lived 969 years. And Noah, I think, was around 500 years when God told him to build the ark. And he was about 600 and some years when he got into the ark. Noah was probably 100 years building that ark. And based on the replicas that other people have built of the ark, I can see it would have taken a long time to build the ark. It wasn't like he did it in a week or a, or a month or even a year. And one preacher said, you think they were telling Pollock jokes? No, no, they were telling Noah jokes because he looked like an absolute fool because he spent all that time building a boat and it had never even rained before. The Bible said in the early days of Genesis, the Bible said the mist came up from the ground. It was an underwater sprinkling system. And here he is building an ark and there isn't... there. Back then, there was probably 70% land and 30% water instead of vice versa. And he's building an ark, a huge boat. What a fool, until it started raining. But for that century of time, he looked like the dummy. Listen, I just want to remind you, it's going to melt. All of it's going to melt. I'm not saying that we should sell everything and live in a wigwam. I'm just saying we need to recognize it's going to melt. So use your money, your time, and your resources very wisely. Lay up treasure in heaven and use it wisely. And I'm telling you right now, that's why we read back there in Hebrews chapter number 11 last week. We read this. Hebrews 11, verse 6 and verse 7. Hebrews 11, verse 6 says, But without faith it is impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. By faith Noah, being warned of God of things not seen as yet, he was prudent. The prudent man foreseeth the evil and hideth himself. Being warned of God of things not seen as yet, moved with fear and prepared an ark to the saving of his house. He was prepared. See, if you believe something, it will, it will motivate you to action. You can say you believe something, but if you really believe it, you'll be motivated to action. And Noah believed something, and Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord, and I am quite sure that Noah was mocked. The Bible says he preached probably his actions and what he was doing as well as his mouth. He was preaching to his neighbors. Noah was prepared. Guess who wasn't prepared? See, Jesus said it'll be like the days of Noah and it'll be like the days of Lot. In the days of Noah, they, they got in the ark. And I don't know, but I like to use my imagination a little bit. I can just imagine that Shem, Ham, or Japheth might have questioned dad once in a while, maybe even smarted off to him and said, dad, we look like idiots. Don't you know what they say about us downtown? Don't you know what everyone thinks? I don't care, son. I know what God said, and this is what we're going to do. All right. Maybe Mrs. Noah gave him a hard time. I remember when I was just in 
fourth grade. My parents, we went from the Hilton, we went from, we went from the Weston Hotels, we went from a career that my dad had carved out for himself, we went to a townhouse so that he could go to back to college, Bible college this time, and we didn't have anything hardly compared to what we had before. And I remember my mom one morning just having a breakdown. I mean, she was just crying. I, I didn't know what it was all about, but I could hear her crying. It's pretty loud. It's coming from the basement. He's down there with her. I could hear him crying, and she's, he's talking to her. She's crying, and, and we're late for school, and I'm just sitting there, and and, and I, I, I didn't know what it was all about, but I knew enough to know this is different than what it was before. And we were just talking to somebody tonight about Job. Job's wife gave him a hard time. And it's only natural for, for wives to question. I mean, all my girlfriends say that you're cool. You got this huge boot. And my father and my mother and my sister, like, my mother said, Yeah, I told you not to marry. And on, I'm just using my imagination. I mean, I'm just thinking that it wasn't like, Oh, sure, this sounds like fun. But it says he moved with fear. He was motivated by some fear, like I was talking about Sunday. Not bad fear, good fear. Fear that, you know what, God's going to destroy this world. God's telling me to do something, and I better listen, because God's going to do something. <clears throat> and Noah did. And it says he moved with fear, he prepared an ark, and he saved his house. If you haven't figured it out yet, you want to be like Noah. Jesus said, Noah, Lot, you want to be like Noah. Guess, guess which one was saved? They were both saved. Noah was saved and Lot was saved. But Noah's family got saved too. But when you read Lot, like I just read again this week, you start in Genesis 13 where Abraham says, Lot, just go ahead, take your pick. And Lot sees this green grass of Sodom. Now, it wasn't <clears throat> destroyed yet, so it was Sodom, Gomorrah. <clears throat> green grass, well watered, and he pitched his tent towards Sodom. Not in Sodom, but he pitched his tent towards Sodom. Then the next thing you know, <clears throat> Lot is in Sodom, <clears throat> and Sodom's getting captured and destroyed, and Abraham, Uncle Abraham, has to go and rescue Lot out of Sodom, <clears throat> out of the captivity. But Lot stays in Sodom. Then, Genesis 19. Genesis 18, God and, and Abraham are having this conversation, and God says, I'm going to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah. And Abraham says, oh, oh, would you spare it for 50 people? And then Abraham says, how about 45? And then he, and he, keeps, he keeps dropping the numbers because he realizes that Lot probably wasn't much of a soul winner. He probably wasn't handing out done books and tracts and things like that to people. And probably... Lot wasn't really trying to start a church. And so, how about 30? And then he got to 20, and finally he said 10. And, and probably Abram thought, okay, there's Lot, and there's Mrs. Lot, and, and, and there's the two daughters that aren't married yet, and, 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 um, and he's got daughters that are married, and, and so that's, you know, eight or 10. So 10, Lord, how about 10? All right, if there's 10 righteous people, I won't destroy it. But there weren't 10 righteous people, apparently. 
because God destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah. And he sent the angels in there in chapter 19, and they went to Lot, and Lot said, hey, come on inside, it's dangerous out here. And then these perverted, wicked, you call them homosexuals, they're sodomites, hey, you got two strangers in town, we want to get to know them. We want to abuse them, rape them. That's how wicked they are, just sick. And Lot comes out and says something even almost as sick. He says, don't hurt these people. These men are my guests. You can take my daughters instead. That's sick. And of course, the angels wouldn't let him do that, and they just struck all those men with blindness so they couldn't even find the door. And then the angel said to Lot, you better go get whoever you got and to tell them to get out of this city. It's about to be destroyed. And the Bible says, we could turn to it just so you can see it. Genesis 19. The Bible says that Lot ran to his daughters who were married. And it says here in verse 12, and the men said, the the angels, the men said unto Lot, hast thou here any besides son-in-law and thy sons and thy daughters and whatsoever thou hast in the city, bring them out of this place. For we will destroy this place because the cry of them is waxing great before the face of the Lord, and the Lord hath sent us to destroy it. And Lot went out and spake unto his sons-in-law, which married his daughters, and said, Up, get you out of this place, for the Lord will destroy this city. But he seemed as one that mocked unto his sons-in-law. The men of the city said earlier in the, in the chapter, verse 9, they said, this man wanted to be a judge. He wanted to have a position in the community. And they're talking about Lot. See, what you get when you start to read, you realize he compromised. He pitched his tent towards Sodom, then he got in Sodom, and then he became a part of Sodom, became part of the, of the community and the political part. And you can't get political in Sodom without compromise. This man wanted to be a judge and, and have a position in our land, verse 9. They were mad at him because he was starting to stand for something instead of being a compromiser. Lot didn't have a testimony, really. And you know how I know that? Because when he ran into his daughter's house and and said something to his sons-in-law and his daughters, they just looked at him and rolled their eyes and said, he was as one that mocked. In other words, they probably mocked him. Oh, (laughs) having another holy kick you got another little, you know, did you see a vision, Daddy-O? What, what's going on? And they just laughed. They didn't move. They said, yeah, right, God's going to destroy it, whatever. We've heard you talk about God before. You know, there, there's nothing more sad than a Christian who doesn't have a testimony. I think that Lot spoke out of both sides of his mouth a lot and was a hypocrite a lot and said one thing but capitulated all the time. I think Mrs. Lot probably ran the show. I think Lot probably wasn't much of a leader. See, you get, you get the picture that there was no fear of God with Lot's children. You, you show me one of Lot's children that, that showed any fear of God. There isn't one. And Jesus said, remember Lot's wife. Because they said, get out and don't look back. Guess what she did? Look back. See, fearing the Lord 
sounds costly, but it pays in the end. But when you fear people more than the Lord, you'll pay in the end. And, and by the time this story is over in Genesis 19, he fathered his own grandchildren. His wife turned into a pillar of salt. The married daughters never even made it out alive. The single daughters and him ended up in a cave. They got him drunk, and then he fathered his own grandchildren. This is a Christian. That's sad. I mean, I don't even see where his own daughters were believers. I wouldn't be surprised if we get to heaven and it's just Lot. Nobody else but Lot. Because he wasn't prepared. And here's what you, here's what you need to understand. Second Peter chapter 2. He was saved. You say, Pastor, a man who, who, who offers his daughters to homosexuals a man who has pretty much no testimony at all and who ends up fathering his own grandchildren while he's drunk. Yeah, I know it sounds pretty unbelievable, but the Bible does still call him just lot, as in justified. And, and what, what I think we see here in Second Peter chapter 2 and verse 7, and delivered just lot. Talking about the destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah, verse 6. But he delivered just lots, vexed with the filthy conversation of the wicked. What does that mean, vexed? They allowed themselves to listen and to hear and to be bombarded with the filthy conversation of the wicked. For that righteous man, he didn't look very righteous to me, but that righteous man dwelling among them in seeing and hearing vexed his righteous soul from day to day with their unlawful deeds. There, there's just places even right now where I don't think Christians can really stay there. I, I think if I was a parent living in California, I would be asking God every day, is this where you want me to be? And, and, and you tell me if I'm not supposed to be here because I don't want to be here if I don't doesn't matter how much they're paying me an hour. Seeing and hearing. You and I are vexed. I don't want the ads that get put on my smartphone. I don't want the stuff that pops up on social media. I don't want the stuff that gets popped up. I don't want it. I do my best and I even have filters and we just do our best to just get clear that junk so it's not in our way. But this man went into Sodom and raised his children in Sodom and dwelt among them, seeing and hearing, and vexed his righteous soul from day to day with their unlawful deeds. He was saved, but that's it. And that's the picture. Jesus said, as in the days of Noah, as in the days of Lot. Both Noah and Lot are in heaven right now, but I think only one of them has any family with them. I think only one of them has any treasure with them. Lot couldn't even bring his wife. She turned into a pillar of salt. So are you prepared? Are you ready for what's coming? 
or are you out in this world to sell you or to, and to sell out to the world? There are Christians who have sold out to the world. There are Christians, you might know of some, and, and they say they're saved, and maybe they are, but man, there's nothing that shows. And when it's all done, there'll be nothing they'll be able to take with them. Are you prepared? Is that going to be you? Now, lastly, are you peculiar? We're right there in Peter. Go to 1 Peter chapter 2. 1 Peter chapter 2. In 1 Peter chapter 2, it says in verse 9, But ye are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, and holy nation, a peculiar people, that ye should show forth the praises of him who hath called you out of darkness into his marvelous light, which in time past were not a people, but are now the people of God, which had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. Are you one of God's peculiar people? I know you're probably thinking of Mr. Spear, but that's not exactly what it means there. Are you peculiar? In a world of sin, a Christian will be peculiar. You're called, we read it already, a child, a children, the children of light. You ever gone into the caves? I mentioned Jewel Cave. <clears throat> you know what they do. I think they all do it, right? You go down in the cave, they get down into the middle of the cave, and then what do they got to do? Turn off all the lights. And then they say, you know, hold your hand. And then, you know, because you got your hand right there and you can't even see your hand, right? <clears throat> and all somebody has to do is light a match. Or, or, or just turn on the simplest light, and boom, it's peculiar. It is instantly making a difference. It is instantly noticed because it's different than the darkness. And even though it might not be very much of a candle power, it's enough to make a difference compared to what it was. And Christian, we're supposed to be peculiar. Let your light so shine, he said. And so we are to be, and Lot wasn't very peculiar. I don't think Lot, before that night, ever preached against the Sodomites. I don't think he ever stood up against them. There's nothing in there that indicates that he ever, had a, he ever challenged them before. I do get the impression that, that when you read the word of God, that Noah preached while he was building the ark. And there were probably some confrontation and some, and some peculiarities that Noah had to live with. And you know what? I don't know about you, but my human nature is to not be peculiar. I, my natural state, my, my natural makeup is to be an introvert. And God has a sense of humor, doesn't he? Makes the introvert the preacher. I would rather walk into a room and nobody notice me and I can just, I would rather be that person, really. And that's my natural. So I would love to just go through life just because, because I'm really, what, what it is, it's selfish. That's what it is. Just leave me alone. I just want to do my thing. I don't want to have any problems. I don't want to deal with people. And, and this is selfish. I remember years ago, I, I had eaten some meat at Mount Rushmore. I, I was choking. 
I went into the men's room, and I'm standing there, oh, I'm just, oh, I just need, if I could just get somebody to give me a Heimlich and kill him. He was too young, you know, and, and Hannah was out there waiting for us, and I'm just like, oh, oh, I was taking, <laughs> and uh, so this guy walks in, and I go, mister, would you mind, I got something stuck in my throat. Hey, man, I'm out of here, and he just leaves, you know. A little bit selfish, <laughs> but but my natural tendency is, if I don't know you and I don't you know you have a that, that you said pastor that's terrible I can't believe you're a pastor what I'm just telling you my goal in life was to be a hermit and live in the mountains and never see anybody and it's so selfish and you don't make any difference you don't make any difference. You're not peculiar. You're just peculiarly selfish. You're not really special in any way because you don't make a difference. But when you are a Christian, you are to make a difference. You're to be a peculiar people. In Titus chapter 2, Titus chapter 2 and verse 11 says, For the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world. We need to deny ungodliness and worldly lust and live that kind of life in this present world, looking for that blessed hope and that glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us, that he might redeem us from all iniquity and purify unto himself a peculiar people, zealous of good works. God wants us to be peculiar. He wants us to be different. Now, being peculiar doesn't mean that we try to dress weird or that we try to act weird or that we try to be as weird as we can be. God will do that for us. He'll just make you weird. You'll just, and, and, and you don't have to try hard to be weird in this world today. You just have to say, sodomy is a sin, it's wrong, it's wicked, it's evil, it's garbage. Oh, you monster. You just have to say, fornication's wrong. Shacking up is wrong. The Bible says so. Oh, where are you from? The dark ages? No, I just still believe the Bible. We gotta get rid of that thing. You don't have to try hard to be peculiar when you already live in a country that has people trying to use government funds to allow illegal immigrants to have sex changes. And, and oh, by the way, you ought to count it an honor and a blessing if, if this world calls you peculiar. Because look at them. Just today, someone was saying there's already over 72 bills being introduced into the peer legislation. And they said, wouldn't doubt it if a lot of them have to do with sexual orientation and all that stuff. I have no idea. I haven't looked at the bills. But I know this. There's a lot of outside pressure coming into our state because the Californians want the South Dakotans to be the same way. And you got to be peculiar. And if you're going to be peculiar, you're not going to get anything done. Well, there's nothing wrong with being peculiar if you're just following the Lord. And if you're just following the Lord, you're going to be weird. You're going to be different. You're going to march to the beat of a different drum. You're going to fear something different than everybody else is fearing. Everyone else is fearing this, and you're fearing that instead. And your fear is different than their fear, and they don't get it because you're fearing God, and they're fearing everything else but God. 
JK handed me something this morning while we were collating. It's the coolest thing I've ever seen. Well, maybe not that I've ever seen, but it's cool. It's I got it, I got it in my office. I'm taking pictures of it. I'm looking at it. I'm going to give it back to her soon. It's this dial, this little cardboard dial that, you know, you, you turn it, and then it has different answers and different... And it's produced, it was, it's produced, it says right on there, Hilton Hotels, 1950, 1940s, 1950. And it's a Bible schedule. She said they used to put these with every Bible in every room in every hotel. And you just turn the dial and it says you're having trouble with someone and it points to an arrow and then this arrow here points to a reference and then it lines up with this Bible reference and you read this Bible reference. You're having this issue, you're feeling lonely today, whatever it might be, and it just it's just all Bible. Hilton Hotels. We've come a long ways from that to Paris Hilton, haven't we? And and it's only because we got away from God. And so we're, you're going to be peculiar. If you follow God, you're going to be peculiar because everyone else is following the devil. You're going to be different. You're going to be odd. You're going to be strange. Just mentioning Paris Hilton. Just saying something derogatory about Taylor Swift. Just saying something derogatory about whatever celebrities out there. Just being anti-whatever. How can you be so negative? Are you kidding this world's nuts. Noah was peculiar. And he prepared an ark and he saved his house. I hate confrontation. I hate being peculiar. I hate having to deal with issues. I don't like it. My wife knows I don't like it. I grind my teeth. I get angry. I get frustrated. Blah, blah, blah. But it has helped my own children to see that's the way it is. And it's good for my kids to see that you just, you just have to do what's right even if it's not fun. But on the other hand, Lot's family, the only thing they ever saw from Lot was compromise after compromise after compromise. The only reason why his daughters married Sodomites is because he moved to Sodom. The only reason why they all died in Sodom is because he moved to Sodom. And not only did he move to Sodom, but Sodom moved into them. And he was saved, but that's it. And when I get to heaven, I don't want to smell like smoke like I just barely got there. I don't want to go like Lot. I want to go like Noah. So are you believing the promises? Are you getting prepared? And are you shunning the desire to not be peculiar? Are you resisting that urge to run from being peculiar? Because if you're going to stand for God and do what's right, you're going to be peculiar. But in the end, you'll step out of the ark into a new world that you own the whole thing. Wow. Shem, Ham, Japheth. Dad, look. Wow. Dad, can I have this over here? Yeah, you can have that whole mountain range if you want it. It's all yours. It's worth it.
Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for the word. Thank you for opportunity to be reminded through two men's lives that there's two ways to get to heaven. There's two ways to follow and to go forward, either like Noah or like Lot, either winning or losing, either fighting or compromising. Help us to not be like Lot. Help us to be like Noah. Help us to recognize that if we'll move with fear, if we'll be motivated by a godly fear, it will save our house. It will, it will save those around us rather than being a horrible testimony and no one saved but ourselves. May we not be like Lot. We ask this in Jesus' name, amen.